0: listening to Unfiltered with Muhammad Uncut, a podcast about personal growth and authentic leadership. If you're looking for tips on how to manage others, get ahead and make your way up the corporate ladder, this is not the show for you. This podcast is about being of service to others, leading from the heart and evolving into a better version of yourself. Each episode brings you motivated stories about unfiltered leadership and authentic leaders, those who involve others, use their influence to amplify diverse perspectives, and inspire teams to achieve collective results. If this sounds like you, keep listening. Welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast. And my guest, Stephen Lowell, welcome and thank you for being my unfiltered guest today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It's a pleasure to have you, Stephen. As you've probably heard me talk on this uh, podcast before, this show is all about inspiring others to become the best version of themselves, that we do that best, where we can be the best leaders to our own self transformation. So this show is really all about how we can become better human beings, better leaders in the workplaces, in the communities, in a household, just better people that can help others rise, use our influence to to do that. And then really inspiring others by role modeling that behavior. So that's gonna be the topic of our conversation today, Stephen. And I'll give people a bit of background on who you are and how you are a servant leader to others. So Stephen, you're a career coach and customer success manager with Find My Profession. You bring diverse background in media, insurance, hospitality, and provincial ser- professional services, as well as global experience in both the US in Denmark and other countries, including Colombia, Australia, and Germany. I'm excited to see how you're going to bring this success <laughs> and this uh, expertise to our podcast today. So welcome and thank you once again for being my guest. Let me start by asking you the best sort of... Uh, learnings that you've had in your experiences and in, in the various areas where you've been of service. What have you learned about leadership?
1: I've I, I've learned a lot about leadership from uh, acting a bit as a um, a servant to leader. And and you know this this started I believe from working in a Denmark. I, I worked for a company that had me do a personality test, and what I had learned about working there was that uh, they believed in matching personalities with personalities to become more productive and then teaching by skill so they even asked me right away like do you are you okay with taking a personality test and I just said sure why not and what I when when I got the results of this test I felt like I had just been opened up and read you know into my heart by this by this test and and I discovered I said you know I may not be the leader that stands out in front and says listen to me but i am the leader who stands behind that person and says this is what you have to do you're not you're not getting him. you you have to get this you have to understand this you're not listening to this side enough you have to listen to this person enough mm-hmm. and in in doing so i i discovered almost a new career path for myself uh it was it's a path of making leaders better leaders and, uh, and and that that came out of Denmark. And I, I think my one of probably my uh, favorite experience in this in, in doing this was helping my wife. Uh, she was she's a manager at a museum. She has a, a staff that uh, at times expresses content for her. And uh, and and she was upset about it because she felt she was trying. And I said to her one day, I said, you know what? I said, get out in front of this. You know, uh, don't, don't bring them all in together in some group. Find out who said what about you and don't attack them. Bring them into your office one at a time and have a heart to heart with them. And she did this and I saw, and and I really honestly think I made it up on the spot, to be honest with you, but it it was something that felt like the right thing to do because I, I read the complaints about her and they sounded like they were reaching out for help. And... She took the time to do it. It didn't take that long. And she has a solid, loyal staff now that feels they can go to her, that wants to perform for her. And, you know, and, and she enjoys her job so much more now because of it. You know, you know
0: Stephen, I, you know, what really resonated for me there is that sometimes when we think about leadership, we start looking you know, in the distance and we see people in these ivory towers and the corner offices and we forget that leadership really starts at home. It starts with our own behavior, how we role model behavior in our households, how we create transparency between who we are, the person we are in our personal lives and how we show up at work. A lot of people, I believe, think that, uh, you know, we need to have different personas. Certainly there's situational leadership and there's situational, um, you know, how we show up in different situations. But if we're always struggling to be different people to different persons to different people, we're going to struggle and we're going to lack the transparency that's going to be required to build trust. And it sounds like what you helped your wife do is to create that safe space where she could use transparency to build trust and to have those heart to hearts with the people that she was supporting, because the only way that you could get rid of destructive conflict is to have open conversation around how you could address the issues that you're having the challenges and maybe even create some productive conflicts and creativity and learn to do things better so tell me about the personality assessments that you did how would that open up a new learning to you because again on this podcast we talk about self-transformation becoming a better person through self-awareness what did you experience when you took that personality test and how was it a gateway for you to learn more about yourself
1: Well, I, I, um, I took a personality test that's called, uh, I think it was called insights profile and it was the type of test that you may have seen before where it asks the question. It almost seems like they're asking the same question over and over again, but just kind of rewording it. You know, you have, okay, you have an okay time dealing with conflict at work. You hate it when workers create conflict at, you know, in the workplace, you know, they, they kind of do this kind of thing. And, and I, I take this thing and, and, um, they even told me in, in Denmark, they said it was a gift because of what I was going to learn. And I, I found out what they meant. What happened was, is they opened up to the fact that you have four you know, types of personalities. You may have like your leader, uh, your your salesperson, your operations person, and your customer service person. And they showed me that I'm a hybrid of all four. Mm. And uh, there is no direct correlation between all of one or or none of the other. And it kind of made me feel a, a bit lost. But when they explained to me, they said, you have a difficult time with blaming other people for their failures. Every time someone else around you fails, you think it's your fault, even if it has nothing to do with you whatsoever. And they said, that makes you a very strong leader. And and I, I explained, I said, I don't want to be a leader. <laughs> and then they started to explain, this is also something that makes you a very good leader from behind. And so they were explaining the hybrid nature of my personality, that I'm okay with serving anyone. I'm okay with selling something I believe in. I'm okay with making sure a process is efficient. And I'm okay with when the time comes and somebody has to write the ship, I'm, I'm okay with pushing somebody aside and saying, Everyone calm down. It's time to do this and get back on track. And they explain that's where I seem to shine most. I start reflecting and start thinking back of all my career experiences and it's hitting me. I'm like, my goodness, it is. This is what I do. This is what, I, and I had, I went into this boss's office and I said, you have to let me sit on your couch because I'm having this moment <laughs> with a <laughs> <laughs> with myself, and I, I don't know what to do. And said, so "This piece of paper you've shown me has just completely exposed me to myself." And I, and I, I always thought I was something, and and it, it got me. I, I really was shocked. And I think of, you, you know, it's, it's hard to explain it, obviously, but, um, I'm a, I'm a people learner and a soft skills person, mm. and. I think of all my 25 years back of career experience, working in Times Square, being in Times Square um, around the time that 9-11 happened, uh, traveling to four different countries, um, so, some of the, the, the crazy experiences I've had in, in different places. And I started to just realize, I said, I, I'm, I'm a person who loves to write the ship, but until then, I'll just kind of sit in the back and make everybody better. And I and I see leaders right now, you know, because I was involved in tech in uh, in tech companies in Silicon Alley in New York back in two thousand eight, and I see leaders now who have gone so far, and and I kind of just feel good, and I says, you know what, I had something to do with that, you know, I I, I was there to help them not make a mistake, and and that feels good. Wow. You know? That that is
0: a wonderful, incredibly get. Uh, giving gift that we can experience when we look and know that we've made an impact in the lives of others and i think you know that helps solidify what i you know what what i'm hearing from you about leadership it's rarely if ever about us, it's always about others and what we can do. And you know, when you're talking about, you know, you want to get in there and and write the ship, but you also know that people need to learn, people need to be hands-on, people need to grow. And if we're always jumping in and inserting ourselves, like, you know, coming in like the helicopter, you know, dropping down, fixing things and then going away, that doesn't work. Mm. You know, you, you need to inspire people. You need to be a role model and not role play that behavior. And I love the vulnerability knowing that there's things, you know, as you explained, like you're kind of flabbergasted sitting there on, on your boss's couch and say, hey, this was such an eye-opener and heart-opener, right? Because, mm. you know, when we learn about ourselves and rarely personality, these personality tests, because I, I work with them, I use them in my practice, you know, I don't think we are so solid black or white. We, we are, as you said, we are a hybrid of very different uh, personality types. We may have a, a tendency to display that you know maybe the dominant more than, than you know the person wants to get things done then the person wants to sit back and make sure everything's right. So, but to your point, some people tend to be more of all. And you know, I, I, I use one in particular that comes to mind is called DISC, and uh, mm-hmm. it looks at the four different personality types. But the closer you are to the center, the more that you reflect and you can relate to others because it's easier for you to empathize. And that brings me to empathy. And where do you feel that empathy has a role in our leadership style?
1: Uh, empathy, I, I believe, plays a huge role, especially in today's world where there's so much communication via text and digital. Uh, you have to read beyond that. Mm. And so, so you will see somebody um, text something uh, to, to you and you're not sure if it's sarcastic. You're not sure if it's a joke. You're not sure if it's... You have to have the, the empathy and to look at it and say, I understand this person, I understand something's wrong. And you know, people have, people have track records of behavior. And if you pay attention to people long enough, you start to realize when a track record of their behavior is kind of drifted. And I've worked with some very high energy people who are chatting all the time and, you know, and communication channels for work. And then suddenly, suddenly one day they get quiet. And then their answers become very direct and sharp. And that's when I have to kind of take them aside and go, hey, is is everything all right? You know, you just don't seem like yourself. And it's really paying attention to their behavior. But the empathy pulls people out of, of that zone that they're in, of no one cares about what I'm going through. No one knows what's going on. This is all about me. I have to be me. I have to, you know, we, we sometimes put up our hands and we say, I'm going to fight through this. And sometimes we just flat out take all our anger out on every other people. And a leader has to be able to not take that personally and, and show empathy, take them and say, what happened? Is everything mm. okay? Even if somebody bites back and says, yes, leave me alone, you can simply go, okay, I just wanted to check in with you and make sure that everything was right.
0: Okay. We don't yeah. always have to have the answers, and seldom do we have the solutions, but you know it's person, uh, another person know that you know we're here and you know we're, we're here to listen and uh, we're here to feel with you and try to understand, even maybe when we can't. So you yeah. know th- that really resonates with me because I, I think the best that we can do as leaders is to lean in and be curious and try to understand the situation that people are in because they may not even understand it. but in listening and, and, and supporting them we can probably help them come out of that dark place and help them see some light. And at the end of the day, you know, you mentioned earlier leadership is about having those heart to heart talks. And even when you feel that anger or frustration coming at you like knives, you know, you know, it's easy to sit back and become defensive, but this is where you have to realize that there's a reason something is happening. There's a reason these conversations or, 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 or these words are being aimed at me. And if you recognize people are coming from a place of hurt, a place of need, you can shift your style yeah. to, to, again, lean in and give them what they need. Let yeah. me ask you, Stephen. you mentioned you were um, in Times Square. I mean, what a great place to learn about people if you're gonna mm-hmm. see people, you, yes. right? <laughs> and this was a time of 9-11. Um, how do you think our lives have changed? And I know this, this you know, many things have changed since yeah. you know, 9-11, but in terms of leaders needing to be more heart-centered, how do you think these tragedies, things that happen here on, uh, you know, near us, you know, cause we, you know, in North America and the Western world, we were, we're isolated. We're, I think we're, we're fortunate and we don't have to deal on, today's Veterans Day today, you know, in the States yes. and Remembrance Day here in Canada. So I think it's, 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 um, it, it's right for us to, think about those who have sacrificed their lives and their, their dreams so that we can live our lives and fulfill our dreams. So, um, you know, my, my utmost respect for, for the women and men who have done that. But life has changed for us. And I think when we look at the luxuries that we have in our countries here, we're not exposed to this sort of anger, fear on a regular basis. How do you think though things like 9-11 and further um, tragedies that happen locally have caused leaders to react differently or or respond differently in their leadership style?
1: I I think it's, uh, you know, there are styles of leadership that people hope to see when such tragedies come about. And I remember back then that I wanted somebody who would plant their flag on the ground, and just go after everybody who was evil, and I wanted somebody who was always stern, and you know, and and just seemed impenetrable. Uh, that that was endlessly optimistic. That um, said these powerful things that appealed to my hatred, and I can say that reflecting now. Um, but I've what I think has changed is that that style of leadership is no longer as welcomed because we've become more sensitive and more intelligent as a society where we expect more practical responses, more responses that are, are well-rounded that understand that if things get better for everybody, they get better for everybody. Oh, for uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that, um, I don't think the, um, see what I remember a lot about nine 11 was that, you, you know, it, it was a, patriotic moment, you know, to, to be in Times Square and have everybody. Um, I, I worked at a, at a, at a theme restaurant, which was big back then, you know, corporate restaurants back then. And uh, everybody in one night being in a restaurant saluting the flag and, you know, but there was another part too, though, that years later, I kind of realized we overreacted, you know, and and one of my stories out of, t- out of that time period was taking a cab from Newark Airport to my apartment and the cab driver was Muslim and he was afraid to take me home. Mm. And, at, and I remember thinking to my, putting my arm on his back and I said, you got nothing to worry about. You got nothing to worry about. And he looked at me and he said, yes, I do. Mm. And that's what made me think something's gotten wrong off the track here. And I started to doubt that style of, of you know, shoot first, ask questions later leadership. Um, and I, and I started to look more towards, let's do something intelligent. Let's, let's think and then, and then choose and then act, you know, let's not, let's not act and then think about the results and then choose to be different. And then maybe
0: even, uh, feel a bit of remorse because maybe our actions were not ones that we wanted to take or should have taken, you know, and when I hear you say intelligent, you know, what comes to mind is emotional intelligence because I, what I'm hearing from you is, is as leaders as, and and I, I here you know I again I remind the listener when we're saying leader, we're not talking about we're not just talking about that person in the corner office. We're talking about a person who role models behaviors that inspire us to become better human beings. Because when we can become those better human beings, whether it's in our home, in our communities, in our workplaces, we are going to inspire people to do their jobs better, to right. be you know, to, to, to be better. And that's going to help us all feel the need that we can be better and stronger together. And at a time right now, when we're looking at what's happening in the United States, right? So mm-hmm. we're just coming out of elections and um very divisive rhetoric that we've been living through for the past. And I say we, even though here in Canada, we feel it. You know, we, we yeah. were getting ready to to react to what was going on. But you know, amidst what's happening with this global pandemic and the COVID pandemic, you know, th- there's a lot going on. And leadership, especially in times of crisis, we look to our leaders. We look to people who are inspiring us to to be strong, right? Like you mentioned earlier, you were looking for that uh, pillar of, of confidence, that that stern person who is going to help you, you know, get out of where you were. And I think we can still have that, but it doesn't have to be strong in ignorance. It can be strong in in humanity and recognizing that uh, we are all in this together and um, we, we need to continue coming together, you know. So, that, that yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's a really powerful story. And I mean, that resonates with me because I, I talk about it often. I talk about it as a Muslim, as a person from. Uh, a different country an immigrant, I deal with that daily. And to think that mm-hmm. that, that doesn't impact me with a name like Mohammed, well, you know, I, I would tell people it impacts me every day. Uh, mm-hmm. But you live with it and you you become the bridge to help people cross that isthmus of unknowing and ignorance. And, you know, people can choose to take ignorance and, and turn it into fear and hatred, or to turn it into an opportunity to learn and to, to um, you know, create some love. And it reminds me of the story you shared with your wife. She could have gotten defensive and decided to walk away. And as a person in power, a position of power, a manager, she could have been vindictive towards the people that work with her, but she chose to sit down and have that heart to heart. And that's what leadership is about. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, it's a
1: pleasure. It's nice.
0: Let me ask you, Steven. Yeah. What has been one of your favorite books, and one that has inspired you to be that better person and be a better leader for the people you work with?
1: This uh, this may surprise you. Um, I the one book that I that hit me a long time ago was uh, was Catcher in the Rye. Oh yeah, the story. Yeah. This, the story of this guy, this this young boy who's kind of on his own and trying to figure out the JD world. JD Salinger, right? Yes, JD Salinger. Yeah. And the I. I the story of how he travels around the country and how he's really trying to discover himself. And he has these interactions with people that seem, you know, for when the book was written, it seemed kind of crazy. But if if you've lived in major cities and then traveled a lot, you realize it's not that crazy to come across certain, uh, certain situations. And that's just that book of a person trying to discover himself and be a better person. It's, it became my favorite book. And it actually, shortly after I graduated college, it became something I did. Uh, I, I went around the country to 49 of the 50 U.S. states wow. doing, doing a show. Amazing. I, I drove around with a diverse group of, of actors of all genders and sexual preferences. We went to different high schools and we performed a play that was written by kids who were in a drug rehab center and addicted to drugs. And we went to high schools in each individual city around the U.S. in each different state. Amazing. And, you know, it, it it teaches you so much about people in general that everything we think that makes us different is actually what makes us the very same. And, you know, it, it's such a it's an experience that even 25 years later, I still think about because really, the country and people have not changed that much. You know, those people who were in high school and meeting me are now, you know, they're, they're now adults and they have kids, but they're going to remember that day, you know. And they were, the people I met all over the, all different races, all different, you know, political beliefs, all different, uh, you name it. It was, mm-hmm. I, could, I could tell you if, if this podcast went four hours, I could tell you a story for four hours. <laughs> I won't do that but it's but it really you think about it though and I mean I think about that that time period and I said it taught me so much it it really did and it led to me eventually becoming a writer and amazing uh, yeah and eventually going down that road of you know what I think I want to serve people I think I can do a lot more that way amazing you know the the stories and the environment may
0: change but the narrative doesn't Very, I mean, to your point, we still go through crises, we still, you know, go through self transformation, and we're still learning and growing. It reminds me of um, I have a colleague on this plat on LinkedIn platform, his name is Jay Andrews, who's also been a guest of mine on here. And yesterday, he had a post about uh, to kill a mockingbird, and he showed how that book, just like the J.D. Salinger, because I think it's the same time, um, you know, the same era, Mm -hmm. and he's talking about how the, the cover of that book may have changed but the story itself remains the same and the way that we interpret the story today based on our environment may be a bit different but the takeaway it's probably not that much different, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, it comes back to, I say often that we may come from many different backgrounds, but we form a nation and that's humankind and we are stronger because of our differences, not in spite of them. So it's, you know, and, and to your point that the more you look at what makes us different, the more you realize that we're all the same, we're cut from the mm-hmm. same uh, tapestry and, and and we, you know, we, we create this mosaic of, of, uh, different colors and beliefs and ethnicities and re- religions and 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 faiths and 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 uh, different ways we love and none of those are bad, they're all good and they're all okay, and we have to show up to say that we're enough. I am enough. Each one of us is enough, and embrace that totality in, in being human together. So I really appreciate that story, JD Salinger. I, I think I read that in grade nine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, catch I, her in the I,
1: eye. Yes, I, I read the, I think I read that in um in, in my freshman year of college. Amazing. And, and and had that vision of just making that same journey. And that was, uh, yeah, it's still- one And of the record.
0: resonance is still there, isn't it? The resonance of of that book and, and how it impacted you. Maybe, I, I believe you interpret it a little differently, you know, that each my, year and each time you read it. Right. But that's the great thing about a book, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it's- uh. You yeah, know, it, it, it was hard the first time I read it, it was hard for me to believe that the book was banned at one point. Mm. And J D. Salinger took a lot of uh, heat and you know, public for mm. writing it. And I didn't exactly see why. I thought it was actually something that was relevant to the to the to, to the way that life is so confusing and we're all on this journey to figure out, you know. Well, I think it's the fear again, right? We what we don't know,
0: we can either embrace or we can turn our back upon it, right? And I think when people aren't ready to embrace it, that's what they do is they, they react in fear and it's the fear of the unknown. But to, to what you said earlier, is to recognize that there's a learning opportunity. There's an opportunity to become a bridge, a bridge of learning. You know, Stephen, this is where I get to the point of the podcast where I ask you to share something that you've learned from your life with the listeners. I call it the Unfiltered Thought of the Week. If there's something that you could share to help them become a better leader, a better person, what would that be?
1: I would say um, take risks. And challenge popular opinion, and and, and I use that uh, I used the example of one of my favorite jobs ever when I went to work in Colombia. Um, but this was in 2007. There was still an issue with um, uh, with uh, guerrillas, uh, farc guerrillas, I think it was down there, and they still had some political strife. Um, and and I I thought to myself because there were travel warnings on websites and said don't go there. And there was this job opportunity coming up. And, I, and it sounded like an amazing opportunity. And I love people anyway. So learning about people in a new country was amazing. And everybody said, oh, you know, Bogota, this Bogota, Colombia, that it's scary. It's this, this. And even when I was interviewed, the, the company CEO asked me, he said, how do you feel about traveling to Bogota? And I knew from the tone of his voice, I said, this is a deal breaker question. And I said, "Why not? let's do it." You know, And it was really like just that fast and said, let's let's challenge this." And when I went there, I saw nothing like what was described mm. at all, nothing like on the travel warning websites. I saw a beautiful culture, beautiful people, family, beautiful city. yes, beautiful city, family first oriented, which I love personally, and they uh, they were tr- they were big on letting me know we're not like what you see on tv Mm -hmm. we're not like this we're not they cared about making their country better and if you look at them now they're one of the biggest tech hubs in in the entire world you know and they've got a great future when only 13 years ago they were afraid that they were viewed as a third world country and i went there and i said you guys have this backwards i said You've got, you've got your stuff together. You know what you're doing. Trust me, trust me, trust me. You don't understand because you haven't been where I've been. And that's when we started to actually have people come to the U.S. and I went to Bogota. So we did team integration. Um, but if I, had, if I had listened to the opinions of things that I saw on travel websites and what relatives mm-hmm. said to me, I never would have had that opportunity. I I would have blown it because I didn't take the risk because I didn't challenge popular opinion. Right. No, and I often say to my children, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was going to say, and, and I know that's that's when you're a parent, it's scary to say yeah. something like that because you, yeah. don't want, you don't want your child to go and do something insane. Yeah. You know, um, so I know people were worried about me, but it has to be a let's just call it. It has to be an educated risk or a calculator. You read my mind. You're right. Yes, because the kids will always say to
0: you, "Well, you told you told me you did this when you were younger, right?" It's like, um, yeah, I, mean, I did it, but you yeah. can't do it now. It, it's tough as a parent to do that, but I think that's where we have to challenge our our own fears as well, right? So,
1: yeah, thank you, mind.
0: Stia. That's a beautiful story, and you know that story is no different. Today then probably was, you know, 13 years ago, or even when we were asking ourselves, do the you know, did the Russians love their children too? You know, uh, when we okay. were in the Cold War and uh, Sting was singing that song, he was just reminding us, we always have to find the other. And rather than embrace mm-hmm. the other, we have to, you know, live in fear. And I think it's it's time. And one of the things that I hope to do on this podcast and, and in spreading that message is for us as leaders to embrace our differences and to create those bridges where we can get to know others and help them rise. And that's at the end of the day, that's leadership. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, thank you for being my unfiltered guest today. Thank you for sharing your heart, you oh. know, warm, warming stories. And I wish you the best and uh, let's keep in touch.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. All the
0: best to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Unfiltered, the show about authentic leadership and personal growth. Like what you heard? Click subscribe, share it, and tell a friend about it. And don't forget to leave a rating.